You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, lead pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called One Month to Live. Jesus tells that if we're going to live the abundant life, that we need to live our lives in such a way that it puts the needs of others above our own. We simply need to live a life of no regrets by loving and serving others humbly. Our scripture text comes from Romans chapter 14. Today's message is entitled, Love Humbly. I had this experience, you know, I've been saying, oh, I'm going to get a GPS, I'm going to get a GPS, and I got one on my phone, but it's a pain because when you, people call in, then it goes off, and that doesn't work very well. So last Friday, we did, we did three of four funerals that have taken place in our church family over the last five weeks. And uh, the funeral that I did was for a 28-year-old young man. It was just a terrible thing, tragedy. His life had been a tragedy. And, and uh, so Thursday we did the viewing. I went to the viewing. And, and uh, you know, it was easy. It wasn't too far from where I lived, about 15, 20 minutes. I knew how to get there. And so on Friday when Dave and I drove down, I said, no problem. We'll just head on down. And, and as I was talking, I realized I drove right past my exit. So I missed my exit. I had no problem. I'll go to the next exit and make a U-turn. And when I got down to the next exit, I couldn't remember if I go to the left or to the right. And I kept thinking, for some reason, I kept thinking it was to the left, didn't I, Dave? No, you said right. Oh, I said right. Okay, well, I couldn't remember. And so I went to the left, and I started driving. And all of a sudden, I started getting to really familiar territory because I ended up in downtown Oviedo. Well, uh, it, the funeral home wasn't in downtown Oviedo. It was in Winter Park. So I'm going the way wrong direction. And so then I got to make a U-turn. And now, you know, now fortunately for me, I left in plenty of time. I mean, because, I, you know, I'm directionally impaired, so I got to give myself every chance. And, and so we got there. But I was, you know, starting to get really tense because the time was moving. And so I said, when I go back, I'm going to buy me a GPS. So let's see what I got here in my box this morning. I went home and I researched GPS, the best bang for the buck. Well, I found out that Garmin... It's supposed to be one of the G- best GPSs out there. So I went and I got my, I, I went to Amazon.com. Let me give a little plug for Amazon. Easiest thing in the world to go to Amazon. And uh, they got the best return policy in the world. And so guess what I bought me? I, brought me a, I bought me a Garmin Nuvi 285WT. Come on. Come on. And I got, oh, I got all kinds of gadgets. I got this friction thing here and all kind of plug-in stuff and it's got free updates. You know, that's really cool. But, you know, there's one little problem. One little problem. This Garmin hasn't come out of the box yet. I've had it for a week now, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to hook it up. But I did put the screen. I put the little screen on it to protect it on the front, but it's still sitting in the box. And I, I noticed when I pulled the instructions out, uh, that they were in another language. So Garmin sends me instructions to operate their little manual in the French language, and so I got no idea how to use this thing. Well, I'll figure it out. We'll go online and we'll figure it out. But what I've discovered many times, many times, we've been in the church, we've heard messages, and we have this GPS, and the GPS is the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us. God lives in us, but He has an instruction manual that He wants us to follow. There's a right way for us to live. 
And as we've gone through the, the different weeks, over the last several weeks, and we talked about the dash, we talked about your life being the sum total of the experiences and the things that you do in this life that are lived from the day that you were born until the day that you die. We talked about that reality and what that means to you. And last week we talked about living passionately. And in my small group this week, the, the, the woman that led my small group, her name is Shannon Matthias. She was in the second service. And she began to talk to us about some really cool experiences that she had in life. I want you guys to see this picture real quick. It's a picture of Mount Rainier. Now, my wife and I, we moved from Seattle to come to Orlando to start City Church. We actually started City Church in Orlando. So from Orlando to Sanford, that's a long ways. But we started in Orlando. And I used to look at this mountain. I used to look at this mountain from my backyard every single day. It's called Mount Rainier. It's over 14,000 feet. It's a glacier peak. There is snow and ice on this mountain 365 days a year. The ice, the ice cap on there never melts off. It never does. The snow on the top of that mountain never melts off. And Shannon began to tell us about her experience. And she said when she was younger, she was a high school teacher, and she would take these young people on trips around the country. And she said two different times they hiked to the summit of Mount Rainier. Two different times. Now, I mean, guys, you don't just wake up, hey, Saturday morning, hey, family, come on, everybody get in the car, we're going to go hike to the top of Mount Rainier. No way. I mean, it takes training and exercise, and you've got to be in really good shape. And then even when you get, when you hike up to the place, they call it a base station, which is about 10,000 feet, to actually make it to the summit, I mean, it's really treacherous. And it's covered with ice, and you're tied together, and they got all the rock climbing stuff on, and and you have to do it at certain times. You can't just like take off in the middle of the day and think that you're going to climb to the summit. No way. As a matter of fact, they climb to the base station. They try to get there, and they're, and they're in bed by 7 o'clock at night. And they wake up at 12 o'clock so that they can pack all of their stuff so that they can hike to the base camp before the sun comes, to the, to the summit, to the peak before the sun comes up. Because once the sun comes up, it starts to melt some of the ice. They have to be back down the mountain before 12 o'clock noon or it becomes extremely dangerous. So it's really intentional. I mean, if you're going to climb this mountain, you have to be really intentional about making it to the top. If you are going to love humbly, if you are going to live John 10.10, which has been our theme verse, if you're going to do that, it has to be intentional. You don't just stumble onto the abundant life. You have to make a decision and say, you know what, God, I'm going to do it your way. God, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit that lives in me to enable me to read this instruction manual in a way that brings life, revelation, and truth, and enables me to live the life that God has called me to live. It's called abundant. Everyone say abundant. Everyone say good. The life that God has called you to is a good life. Is it easy? No way. Climbing to the top of Mount, you know what, I'm, when I lived there, I knew some people that climbed there, and I never really in my mind ever thought, thought that I would do that. I just, for some reason, I looked at it, and I heard about how much they had to train and practice. I thought, wow, that doesn't seem like something that I would do. I drive to the top of Mount Rainier. <laughs> I've driven as far as you can go, and it's a pretty, that's a pretty cool experience too. But man, people, they had to be intentional. They didn't, they didn't reach the summit. They didn't reach the pinnacle of looking out over that whole western Washington Valley and seeing the three sisters, which are three other volcanic uh, uh, mountains, and looking over Mount Bachelor, and then looking at uh, uh, Mount Hood down in Portland, and then looking at Mount St. Helens, which one-third of it has been blown off. Drive by there all the time. I mean, I know that area. 
And in order to get that incredible view from the summit to see, because that's the highest mountain, in order to get that incredible view, I mean, you've got to be intentional about the way that you live. You have to be intentional. And it's the same thing with following God. If you are going to experience the blessings of God, if you are going to live a life humbly, you've got to be intentional. And Jesus, let me tell you, he was really, really intentional about his life. And I want you to see here the very first thing in the first couple of verses, and, and, and I have in your notes, and i got some notes here, but Jesus tells a parable. Jesus was a master storyteller. Jesus used words in a way to paint visual pictures. Jesus would tell stories, and he would use the means of communication in his generation to be able to communicate spiritual truths. You know, one time Jesus fed 5,000 people, and he took couple of fishies and a couple of loaves of bread and he fed thousands of people other times jesus you know they needed to grow in faith and so jesus talked to them about a tree and actually he cursed the tree and it died i mean jesus used these visual pictures for people to see so they could understand that there was a spiritual reality to the truth that he was trying to convey to their life see a parable is this A parable is to tell a story in such a way that it makes people who are interested think, judge, and discover the power of that spiritual truth. Some have called them heavenly stories with earthly meanings. They're heavenly stories that have an earthly reality. And see, Jesus used parables because there were people who were interested. Now, not everyone. See, the people who weren't interested in what Jesus had to say, the people who weren't interested in the kingdom of God, they weren't listening, no matter what Jesus would tell them. And so actually parables were concealed them. But the people who were interested, what Jesus wanted them to do was to discover for themselves the power of these spiritual truths. Jesus told these parables. He told these parables because there were some people who were really interested, and he wanted them to discover for themselves the truth and the power of what he was saying. Because if you self-discover something, you say, I can give someone a piece of bread. I can give someone money, maybe fix their problem temporarily. But unless they learn how to manage their own resources, unless they learn how to go out and get food for themselves, guess what? I'm going to be feeding them again and again and again and again. Now, we have a food pantry here. We make food available. they tell me that sometimes we'll feed up to 25 families a week, we'll get food to, and that's a great thing, because that's the heart of God. Jesus never turned a person away. But if we are going to be people who love humbly and do it the way that God says, guess what? We've got to be willing to accept people the way they are. And so when Jesus goes into a room, people took notice. It's funny, Jesus had a completely different way of thinking about people and about what he was doing than the average guy. Look what happens here. I want you to see this. On the Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat at the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being watched carefully. See, the Pharisees were watching what Jesus was doing. They were really intent. They wanted to know, hey, man, is this guy going to do another miracle? Is this guy going to break a rule? Is this guy, you see, the, the Pharisees were really pretty good people. Now, they've gotten a bad rap in Sunday school that I grew up in, at least. Pharisees got a really bad rap because, you know, they were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the bad guys. And they're the ones that, well... Honestly, the Pharisees were pretty good guys. They were the law-abiding, tax-paying, do-good citizens. They had all these laws, 650-some laws from the Old Testament. They were really trying to keep them. 
Now the problem that they had is that the law had been written by Moses 2,000 years previous to that. And because of that, they, uh, they had added a lot of stuff to it. And it's kind of like we do in the church today. There's the pure words of Jesus. There's the pure teachings of Jesus. Then you throw a bunch of denominations in. And everybody's got this opinion and that opinion. And we're all messed up. I wasn't going to say another word. But we're all messed up. We're all, I mean, we're all trying to, you know, figure, you know. Well, the reality is, the reality is Jesus always cut right to the chase. So there's a bunch of Pharisees. They would be the Republicans or the conservatives of our day. And Jesus also, there were a bunch of liberals in Jesus' day. They were called the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were people, and, and someone once said they were Sadducee because they didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in demons. They didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. They didn't believe in miracles. And when they looked at Jesus, they weren't crazy about him either because he was leading people to this false religion. And I watched a, a report on CNN this week, and this guy is a, a well-known doctor, and they're giving him a, a half-an-hour television show now on CNN. And he's basically, he calls himself a rationalist. And he says religion is a hoax, it's a joke, it's a waste of time. And he's kind of selling that. And I'm listening to this guy and I'm thinking, wow, wow. You know, what the Bible says about that guy, not a very nice thing. And, but God loves him. I mean, God loves that guy. You know, I'm having a hard time loving him, but God loves him. I mean, isn't that right? Isn't that how we feel? Well, see, Jesus wasn't a, a conservative and he wasn't a liberal. He was the son of God. He had a mission, he had a message, and he used methods to communicate powerful spiritual truths that cut right to the heart of the individual. You see, Jesus was being watched by Pharisees, but in just a moment, he was going to turn the tables. When he goes to this guy's house, this is an amazing thing to me, when he goes to this wealthy man's house and he sits down at the table, he focuses on someone else. He focuses on a guy who had dropsy. Now, dropsy would be like a, a disease of inflammation. It would cause people's joints to swell. And I remember my home church up in Seattle that uh, there was a lady in our church that had this thing. You know, I don't even know what they call it. There's another name they call it today, medical science. But her arm was like just, her one arm was really, really large. And she had it wrapped up and she was trying to, you know, shrink it. And, and, and she had that disease. And it's very, very debilitating. They get in their knees. They, you know, it looks like, almost like elephantitis. Where it's just a, it's a bad disease. And when Jesus sits down at the table, he just heals the guy. It's on the Sabbath, though. Jesus, we're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. You see, there was a higher law. There was a higher law than their interpretation of the Bible. And the law that Jesus had was the law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Jesus said, true worshipers of God will worship in spirit and in truth. So Jesus didn't need a miracle service to do a miracle. Jesus didn't need somebody playing softly on the piano. I mean, he didn't need that because everywhere Jesus went, he was worshipped. He was worshipped. Everywhere that Jesus went, he lived a life of worship. It was natural. The supernatural was natural in Jesus' life. Too bad that we've tried to box Christianity. Too bad that we try to formalize Christianity. Too bad. And so we got this whole thing. We live differently here than the way that we live out there. We have two different mindsets and two different worldviews. And that's not what Jesus had. He had one mindset. He had one message. And he accepted this man just the way he was. And he healed them. That was powerful. Now, Jesus also accepted Pharisees. What's fascinating, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see in just a few days after this, probably 50 or 60 days, a lot of these really religious guys got born again. And they became followers of Christ. 
I mean, just not too long after Jesus, after he goes to the cross, these same guys, there was something in them. You see, they did want to live the abundant life. They just didn't know how to get there. And they were deceived, like many of us have been deceived about what truth is and what reality is. You see, we have got to let go of past mindsets. You've got to let go of past mindsets. Both sides of the equation. It, you know, I wasn't the first, I think at second service, I just went right down the middle on this, but you've got to hear this this morning. The problem in our culture today is that it's so vitriolic. People are screaming at one another. People are yelling at one another. And the politicians have their own interest in mind. And so we have these great big problems. And we've got problems in economics. We've got problems in healthcare. We've got problems in education. And no one's listening. And these certain group of people, once somebody gets in power, they do everything they can to get in power. And the issues aren't being dealt with. And so there's a great disgruntledness in America. There's a frustration that people aren't, the people, the needs of the people, the taxpaying people, our needs aren't being met. And so you got all these people with opinions and yelling and screaming. And, and it happened in my home today. I thought this is a really good example. We had, right before we came to church, I know you can't believe this, but my wife and I had a loving discussion. As a matter of fact, we had a knockdown, drag out fight. And she didn't, I mean I did, because I was so bullheaded, I was so stuck, I had my opinion, and my way or the highway, and sometimes I act like that. Now that's not very loving, but I'm a human being. And I thought, well, isn't that really interesting? I'm talking about loving humbly, and I'm, I'm having a hard time loving humbly right now. I want to, you know, I want to tell her what to think and how to do it. And, and she's not like, hey, you know. And ain't going that way. And so we had a lovely conversation, and then I had to repent. Once again, I was wrong. Come on, I was wrong. I had to admit that I was wrong, and she forgave me, and we prayed together, and God's merciful. Amen? Aren't you glad for forgiveness? Come on, we're, but understand, you've got to change your mindset. You've got to look at the issues differently. You've got to look at the issue of love and humility differently. And that's exactly what Jesus addressed. He addressed that issue about humility, about thinking that you have it all figured out. How many of you have a different opinion about some things in your life than when you were 12 years of age? Anybody here? If some of you are 12 and you don't know yet. All right. Oh, we do, right? I was thinking the other day, man, I thought I had it all. If we could just get all the young people here to 22, like that's kind of the, I don't know what it is. Like if we could just get them to 22, because up to 22, I don't know, man. What's going on? You're not thinking. Come on. And that's the way we feel that way. Well, we, were act, we acted the exact same way. I had a lot of stuck-on stupid moments. And I still have a few like this morning, but not as often as I used to. You see, the reality is you've got to change the way that you think about whatever the problem is in your life. And Jesus was addressing these religious guys. Good guys, just wrong thinking about God's Word. Wrong thinking about truth. Wrong thinking about love. Wrong thinking about compassion and meeting the needs of others. See, God's given us a great, great task. And that is to bring His love to every man, woman, boy, and girl in this city. That's the mission of City Church. That's what we're called to do. Is it easy? No way. We just try to all get on the same page and figure out what we're doing and all those kinds of things. But I'm telling you, as we begin to change the way that we think about our community and the needs of this community, we're going to find God's favor. See, Abel found the favor of God because he gave God his best. Jesus healed this man, and he just broke their thinking. He broke the way that they thought 
about this person and what he should do. The next thing that I want you to see is that if you le- when you learn, as you're growing in this understanding of loving humbly, we don't see greatness for ourselves. We don't see greatness for ourselves. Now notice, uh, first of all, they were watching Jesus. But now the table's turned. Jesus is watching you. Jesus is watching you. He's looking at your life. So Jesus is looking at his life, and it says he noticed that how the guests picked the best places of honor at the table. He told this, them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. So there's, there's a natural tendency in our lives, there's a natural tendency in our lives to, you know, want to be the top. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to want to achieve. It's a good thing to want to strive for excellence. It's a good thing. But what happens is, is that we think about ourselves more than we think about others. And what true humility is, and what Jesus demonstrates here, is that, listen guys, if you're really going to experience the abundant life, you have to think less of yourself and more about others. Now, we're going to think about ourselves because we're humans. We have needs. We have problems. We've got things to figure out. But what I've discovered is as I begin to focus on the needs of others and I focus less on myself, things just seem to work out. And it's exactly what happened to Jesus. <laughs> in our home on Friday night, we have a meal every Friday night with the group that meet in our home. And there's, I don't know, maybe four, five, six couples that meet in our home every Friday night. We've got some kids there. And, and this is the way we do it. All the women go first. The women eat first in our home. And then the men eat the, the older men, even the older men, and then the younger guys, and then the children. Because it's right. Well, that's, who made that up? Well, it's just right. It's proper. And we, we throw, we, you know, we get so bogged down about, we throw proper decorum out. Jesus was really concerned about doing things right. It was right that when you go to, you know, we had a big buffet here a couple of weeks ago for the reception for Dennis Stewart. And... Uh, I thought, oh my goodness, man, if we preach that this week, everybody would, nobody, like, nobody would be eating food because we'd be like, okay, you go first, you go first. But Jesus said, listen, listen, guys, you don't, that's good, there we go. Jesus, he didn't say hiccup, but he said, listen, when you go and you're sitting at a table, you're not looking to be at the head. Let me explain it like this. Our culture today, so many people, they go to work for somebody else. They go to work for, and the thinking is, it's someone else's responsibility to take care of me. And guys, it's exactly the opposite. The Bible says that when we go to work, we don't work for a person. We don't work for an organization or a company. We work for God because Jesus is watching. He's watching everything we do. Now, do we collect a paycheck? Of course, that's how we get, receive our remuneration. But if we change the way that we think, we begin to get a different mindset about our work. We start to think less about ourselves and more about others. And all of a sudden, you get a promotion. You know why you get a promotion when you think that way? You know why you get a promotion? Because you start to meet the needs of other people. You start to think about the product that you're selling or the service that you're giving in relationship to, you know what, this is going to help someone out. Whatever I'm doing is going to help other people. And that begins to change what happens in your world. And then when unemployment's 12%, 13%, 15%, we don't know where this is going to end. They're hoping it's going to turn around. They don't know. But you know what? The last guy to get fired is the guy with the very best attitude. You know, the very best attitude. 
You see, because when you see yourself as a servant, you are simply there to serve. It changes your mindset about what you do. And Jesus addressed this issue. He nailed it right on the head. He said, don't seek greatness for yourself. Don't seek to be great for yourself. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will lift you up. You see, promotion doesn't come from man. Promotion comes from God. When Joseph was in a pit, when he was in a prison, when Joseph was in places that weren't very fun in his life, he had the right mindset. He had the right attitude. He understood that he was God's servant. Today, we are God's servant to this generation to make an impact, to see lives change, to see people impacted by the power of the message of hope in our generation. That's the message of truth. And Jesus was concerned about it. So he cut through all that kind of stuff that men are worried about, and he got right to the heart of it. Serve. Don't seek to be served. Serve. Then he talks about the pathway of greatness. And he lays it out. He talks, and he uses it in the parabolic form, which is a genre of literature. The Bible has all different kinds of genre of literature. And parabolic literature is used in Old Testament and New Testament. But the way that Jesus used it was so profound that no disciple after Jesus ever tried to do it again. Think about it. No disciple, no followers, not Paul the Apostle, not Peter, not John, not Luke, none of the other followers of Christ after he died ever tried to teach in parabolic form. Because he was such a master. They could, now, what they expounded on what he said, and Luke wrote a record about what he said, but the rest of the book is about how to live what he said. That's what the rest of the Bible, the rest of the New Testament is about, how to live what Jesus said. Seventy-some parables in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, thir- between 32 and 35, depending on what scholar you read, 32 to 35, different parables. And Jesus tells a parable about a feast. To the rich guy to the guy who's holding this party. He said, listen, when you have a party, go out, and, go out and invite people who will never be able to repay you. Invite the lame. Invite, the, invite the, those who are blind. Invite the sick. Invite the poor. Invite the destitute. He said, they're never going to be able to repay you in this life. But you invite them so they can have an opportunity to hear about the abundant life. He just laid it out for them really clear. And he said, if you do that, you will receive a reward, not in this life, but in the life to come. And now this person came to our church about six years ago and has uh, really been a great encouragement to me as I've watched his life. And I've seen how he's given. I I actually had forgotten that he had been involved in this ministry. I know that I'd heard about it, but when I began to look into it, I began to realize this is an incredible ministry. And I want you to welcome, he's a personal friend, He's a trustee here at City Church. His wife is on staff. I want you to welcome to the City Church platform, Kip Williams. Can you give him a great big hand this morning? Amen. Thanks, Kip. Kip, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the I mean, how you got involved with the Russell Home? But before that, I mean, what really kind of stirred you to start working with the children at this home? I guess I've always had a, a compassion for um, for uh, the disabled, disadvantaged, and um, I guess it stirred up about 12 years ago when I when I was reading a book that um, was dealing with ministry to to this group of people. So I started looking into it and and uh, found the Russell home uh, through the phone book. Talked to uh, Mrs. Russell who was living at the time and. Uh, she invited me down there to visit and, 
she welcomed me to to continue to come there if I felt led to do that. Okay. And so you go down to the to the Russell Home. Tell me about your experience of going down. What kind of things do you do when you go down there? Well, I I have been to some of the parties and they really are fun because they just go all out to make these uh, these kids, which are almost all adults, uh, they make them feel really uh, welcome. They have uh, uh, sing-alongs, they have karaoke, and boy, some of them will get up there and just perform, and uh, it's just so it's just awesome. so. Uh, uh, enlightening to, to see them enjoy themselves. So they, they get treated wonderfully, but uh, most of the time I spend down there is, um, is just visiting. I'll go down there on a, on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon and spend a, an hour or two uh, just talking to them, bringing them little, uh, a little bag of goodies, which they just really welcome. It's just like a special occasion to them to have somebody bring something. And I've got a special friend down there that I spend cool. most of my time with. Awesome. And tell me the impact that that uh, special friend has had in your life. Well, Benji is just really a, a friend. He's, he's one of these guys who uh, uh, they say has never had an unkind word about anybody. And I believe it because he's just always uplifting. And uh, wow. we relate to each other really well. well. We'll talk about each other's lives. And he's just as interested in my life as, as I am in his, which is just really refreshing. He'll... he'll uh, remind me about things we talked about before and ask me how my daughter is, how Christine is, and, and uh, we just have a great relationship. Wow. So he's, uh, he's been an inspiration to me to, um, to uh, look at life a little bit differently by appreciating the things I have and to, and to, uh, to be uh, kind. I want to, be as, I want to be as kind as Benji. Wow. How old is Benji? He's 45. 45. Wow. And how long has he lived in this home? 42 years. 42 um, years. He, he was dropped off there one, one day when he was three years old when his uh, uh, parents didn't want to keep him. He, uh, he was normal up until that point, and then he had, uh, he had a, an accident with some ants, and a bunch of ants bit him and, and did something to his nervous system, so he's not able to use his legs, and it affected his brain just a little bit, but uh, it sure didn't affect his life. Oh, so Benji's changed your life? Yeah, Benji's just been a great inspiration to me. He's a good friend. The Russell Homas changed your life. Yeah, it's just uh, allowed me to find something beyond my uh, by, my own life and needs to to have meaning. Yeah, uh, develop a grateful heart. I bet. Uh, definitely have a grateful heart. To think less about ourselves and our problems, probably when you see those people. Huh? Yeah, it's a way for me to to feel like I don't have anything to be concerned about. I don't have anything to complain about. All those kids down there just uh, accept the the state of life they're in and they uh, they are grateful and you wouldn't know that they have anything wrong with them because they just act uh, they act pretty normal. Now the director told me that the kids they can't wait to Kip comes because when Kip comes he's Santa Claus <laughs> and so he's always got gifts and, and little stuff for them and Kip mm -hmm. I want you to know man you've been a great example and thank you for leading us and living the challenge for living a life humbly before God and other people and uh, if your dad was here, he'd say, good job, Kip. So I'm here to tell you, Kip, great job. God bless you. Let's give Kip a great big hand. Amen. everybody. Amen. Amen. So Kip's been going since I've known him. And those of you that know Kip know that he lives humbly. He lives humbly. He loves people. This is the Holy Week of Christianity. Today's Palm Sunday. 
the mission that Christ came to fulfill. Not just the cross. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for Good Friday. Thank God for Good Friday. We're, and we're going to have a one-hour illustrated message called Changed. Our young people are doing a human video, and, and uh, we're going to take communion elements together. I've got to bring in a special teacher that's going to talk about the communion elements. And, and then we're going to do something unique that we haven't done before at this church. And it's going to be powerful. But you know what, guys? It didn't stop at the cross. Thank God for the cross. The work for your forgiveness of sins, the possibility for you to have a relationship with God. Jesus declared it was finished. But Jesus had to rise from the dead. Death couldn't hold him down. Death, hell, and the grave had no victory of Christ. And on the third day, he rose again. And, you know, on the face of the earth, there's over a billion people that proclaim to be Christians. And all over the world, you'll hear the Easter message. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We felt his presence in a wonderful way in worship. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the reality of Jesus in our life today. He's not here in physical body because he's at the right hand. He's at the place of authority. He was God himself, came in the form of man. And today, the Bible says he's praying for you. He's making intercession for you. And as Christians, we're going to celebrate next Sunday. We're going to give Jesus the biggest party, the greatest celebration. We're going to celebrate life. And we're going to invite the whole community, people who will never be able to repay us in this life. And we're going to do that. And this is your opportunity. In the back of your notes this morning, I got the, ch- the love challenge. The love challenge. This weekend. Now, there's a lot of people that have already signed up. There's a lot of you that are already involved in ministry, but some of you aren't. Some of you wonder, well, what can I do? I, you can do something this week. I mean, you could do something like what Kip does. There's all kinds of ministries. There's all kinds of ministries here. We've got Celebrate Recovery, and we've got the young people's ministries, and children's ministries, and outreach ministries, and do all kinds of stuff going on here. There's all kinds of stuff in the community. There's shelters and homeless shelters. We have food banks here. There's all kinds of things to be involved in. But I'm going to challenge us as a congregation this weekend, on this holy day, to find a place of ministry. Serve. If you're already in, if you know God, I'm going to challenge you to rise up to a new level, a relationship with God. Love humbly. Think less about yourself this weekend, about taking a vacation. And I know spring break's right around the corner. Guys, this is an opportunity for us to really demonstrate the love of God in this community. We're going to have thousands of Easter eggs. Well, Easter eggs in about, you know, the ancient pagan religion. Uh, you know what? People that are outside of faith, when you talk about that stuff, they think, what are you talking about? Because, see, it's still all about, you think Christianity is still all about you. It ain't about you. Now, coming to the cross, it's about you. But once you get in, it's about you giving it away. It's a difference between love and lust. See, two acts, two sexual acts can be the same thing. But one is love. And one is lust. Because love gives. Love gives. Lust takes. That's how the kingdom of God works. So we're going to give. Thanks for listening to this message, Love Humbly, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407 321 9600.